This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is always good to be with you and be able to start the day. Maybe some of you don't start the day with us. You listen to us instead with the podcast at night in order to help you sleep. I get it. I understand. <laughs> we are here as a service to you. So sweet dreams um, if we are helping you <laughs> fall asleep tonight. Um, but we have been talking about the gospel and speci- specifically about this idea of what is the gospel and hopefully moving now to gospel fluency. The, ba- the bottom line is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be able to articulate the core of the gospel message. And so hopefully if you were able to listen to the last two episodes that has helped you be able to understand and articulate the gospel, if you missed those episodes, please go back and listen. You can li- read Dan Gilbert's book, What is the Gospel? R.C. Sproul has a book on, I think, the same title, What is the Gospel? There are so many wonderful resources out there. So today I want to begin with just the question, what is gospel fluency? Yeah, so for me this, this language comes out of a book by a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt, um, and he references Ephesians 4.15, uh, which Paul says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him, being Christ, who is the head. Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So it's this idea that, that gospel fluency is our ability to speak the truth, that is, the gospel good news, in love, so that we might correctly apply this message of good news to the outer and inner life of ourselves first, and then appropriately and accurately to the lives of others. So as odd as this is... The phrase speaking the truth in love has created some controversy in the church. What does it mean? What does it mean to speak the truth in love? And how in the world could that cause controversy? Well, I think here's what it doesn't mean. It it doesn't mean saying hard things nicely, which I think is the first thing that comes to mind. For me, I'd like to break it down. So speaking the truth, we know from John 14, 6, that Jesus referred to himself as the truth. So Paul says that Christ is the truth again there in Ephesians 4. It's Christ being we're being built up in him. So it's it's speaking Christ to people. It's speaking the message of his life, death, and resurrection as we've covered uh, to people. And then it's out of the posture or the position of love. We get Paul's treatise in 1 Corinthians 13 to understand more deeply what that is. But it's 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 from a heartfelt concern and affection for those we're ministering to and bringing Jesus to them. That's what I'll say it is. So maybe some of you have always heard that speaking the truth in love is primarily about just saying hard things nicely. I would encourage you to to listen to the context in which this passage or this verse comes. Mm. It's the context is Christ saturated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and he Ephesians 4:11 and he, he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some ev- evangelists some pastors and teachers why did he give these teaching ministries to the church verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until mm-hmm. we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with the cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. And so I I think you need to understand that the truth that we're speaking does involve the essence of the life death, resurrection, ascension of Christ, and what does that mean for the church, and by extension then, to the individuals within the church. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important to understand that it is this idea of how does the message of the person and work of Christ intersect with us within the church. Mm-hmm. Guys, do you want to add anything to that? No, I mean, I think that's good. <laughs> and so I was with, sensing some dead air, so I just thought no, I should answer. No, no, like, no. But, I mean, it, but well this said. is why it's, it's how we speak the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we live in such a world right now that is so much graciousness is, is not part of our vocabulary. We interact in, with one another, and aggressively so, that that – uh, it, it, it's this idea that as we engage with other people, what matters is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so then we, we become pretty militant and say, you know what? It's about speaking the truth. It doesn't matter how I say it. It doesn't matter how I engage with other people. It's just that as long as I, I'm, I'm speaking the truth, it, that's all that, that really is of importance. And so then we need to be more like Luther. We need to be more like, and then we throw out all these names of people that were, were not very gracious in how they engage with other people. However, you still have to wrestle with this verse. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to speak the truth? What does it mean to speak the gospel? What does it mean to speak of Jesus Christ? In love. Well, ultimately, what we're trying to do is uh, give a knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, if we're when we're talking about speaking the truth, you pointed out the fact that Jesus says He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, in communicating who Jesus is, we're giving. Paul will talk about it in Second Corinthians chapter two: the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we are the aroma of Christ. That's what happens when we speak the truth. We are sharing Christ, and and we're sharing Christ where He's wanted and where He is not. And uh, you know where He is not wanted, we become that fragrance of death, is is what it says among those. For we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. You know, the problem is that it's not just saying, as you said, harsh things nicely. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is just simply harsh. It gives information but in such a way that we don't even won't even hear it, you know. But 
when we're communicating the saving love of of Christ, there is a truthfulness about who we are. We come to them as what we're reminded when we're reminded of the gospel. We're sinners, but we know of salvation. We come as 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 fellow sinners, pointing the way of Christ. We're the one man telling the beggar where to find bread. So there's a truthfulness about who we are, and there's a, there's a commitment that helps us see uh, the truth about ourselves and repent and a conviction that moves moves us to share that grace and mercy of God. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of questions we can ask ourselves of you know uh, what's our motivation in in even like sharing the truth of scripture with a brother or sister or even someone outside the church is our motivation to you know give it to someone you know mm-hmm. in the sense of like oh I'm going to really just prove my point here is our motivation to tear down something or is our motivation to actually build someone up pointing them to christ that they might grow in him and be edified and i think that's that the motivation we're to have not only speaking the truth in love but it's to be out of a heart of love for the one we are speaking to and you know people often say well jesus was harsh with people it's like well you know as, you know, Russ off air, you, you pointed out how, well, Jesus has something that none of us will ever have, and that is he, he knew the hearts of men. He, he understood exactly what was in them. He knew them, and he could pinpoint his words to them. However, he was harsh with the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, a group of people that should have known better. And he was harsh with them. And we read later in the book of Acts that actually some of those men came to faith in him. Mm -hmm. Like that was Jesus knew perfectly how to interact with a person on every level. And he did so out of a heart of love towards them. The group, the the Sadducees, he actually never really gave a time of day and uh, left them to their own delusions. But, you know, it's what's the motivation and um, is it to build up or to tear down? I think in the New Testament we talk about the the gospel being an offense. It's, it speaks to the content of the message, not the obnoxiousness of the messenger. Exactly. I think of Paul's uh, description of, him, of his own ministry adapting and contextualizing to those who he was talking about. When he was mm-hmm. with the Gentiles, he presented the truth in love so that they might understand it to the Jews in a manner that they would understand it. He, mm-hmm. he had a motivation of his love for the people across from him. He was able to speak and adapt and apply the gospel of Christ mm-hmm. to them. That's a great example to look at how to present the truth in love is to look at Paul's ministry in the book of Acts. You know, like Mars Hill, he didn't ridicule them or make fun of them for all the idols they had. He took the opportunity of like, oh, you've got this one idol to a God you don't know. Well, let me tell you about that God you don't know. And uh, Or before kings, he didn't berate them for not believing in Christ. He submitted to them. He showed respect, and he implored them, I would love for you to believe in Christ. So. Most most people uh, know of Jonathan Edwards from maybe reading in school, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Edwards was really pleading with his congregation to understand what the wages of sin would, would do in their life. But uh, Jonathan Edwards actually said this, that love is the virtue that is more insisted on than any other virtues in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. What Jonathan Edwards was doing in that sermon was out of love for for people, you know, that were facing eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. I want to just be very clear so that the listener is not confused. 
So we are talking about gospel fluency, and the passage in Ephesians 4 is not for those outside of the church. It's actually for those inside the church. So the instruction in Ephesians 4 is how we engage with one another in the church, Mm -hmm. that we speak the truth, the truth of the person and work of Jesus Christ to one another to build up the church. Our interaction with the outside is addressed in other writings of Paul in Colossians 4. You can't get much more clear than, than what Paul says in Ephesians 4. I wish the modern church actually listened to the teaching of Paul. We are so out of bounds for the most part with what Paul instructed, what God told us to do, and, and I really think we need to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. This is what is modeled by Paul in the book of Acts, that you don't act and you don't engage in the same way with everybody. You walk in wisdom, and wisdom says that you apply principles to the setting in which you, are, you, you find yourself. So walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Mm-hmm. Let your speech always no asterisk to this. Right. Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you how you ought to answer each person. There's mm-hmm. not there's no wiggle room here. Mm-hmm. We're always gracious, and that speech is always seasoned with salt, which means that there's a preservative aspect. There's there there's a that the truth is there, but and and that is how we engage with the outside world. We're going to come back to what does gospel fluency mean within the church, but I do want to be just clear on what it means outside. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.